Imagine you've invested years of your life learning about how to be a coach. You've done the training, you've reached the level of Master Certified Coach or MCC with the International Coach Federation. Now, with around 20 years of coaching experience under your belt, you'd imagine you'd have really discovered who you are as a coach, right? I I think I'm still finding myself as a coach. (laughs) I I know that sounds funny, but it just is that kind of profession. You just continually evolve. You're always finding yourself. If you want to choose coaching as a profession, be aware that you're going to have to continually look at yourself. You're going to have to continually disrupt your business. Welcome to the Curious Coach Podcast. So buckle up as we travel around and explore the world of coaching. Here's your host and professional coach, Stephen Clements. In this episode, I had a really enjoyable interview with Benita Stafford-Smith. In it, we talked about how she moved from her native home of Canada to Oman, talked about coach supervision, team coaching and the challenges of coaching through an interpreter, and much, much more. Before jumping in, it's worth noting that the audio quality comes and goes a little, as we were 4,000 miles apart and talking through a VPN. But I hope that won't take away from the insights that Benita was sharing. Now, over to Benita to introduce herself. Okay, thank you. So first of all, thank you for inviting me to the this Curious Coach podcast. I love the title, by the way. And my name is Benita Stafford-Smith. I currently live in Muscat, Oman. I'm originally from Canada. I'm an executive coach, and I lead a coaching practice for a small AR consultancy here in Oman. I'm also a coach supervisor. Um, I should say I'm a master certified coach. That probably would be helpful. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm really intrigued how... Your coaching journey has taken you from Canada to Oman. Can you maybe tell me a little bit about that? I can. So um, I'll give you the short version. The short version is I was was a single parent all my life. And when my son graduated from university, I decided it was my time. My time for fun. Uh, My responsibilities were over. So I decided, I had my own business at that time called Coach Benita in Canada. I decided that I wanted to work internationally. And uh, through a series of events, I was on the board of the Women Business Owners, and one of the ladies was going to a conference, and she met a gentleman who was looking for someone who was a coach and a speaker, was wanting to travel, and she said, oh, I happen to know somebody. We connected two months later. I was in Muscat, Oman, which I had never heard of the country before. It was a brilliant place to end up, by the way. What have you noticed about the differences in coaching in Oman versus coaching in Canada? Hmm. Well, I think coaching is client-focused, so it's different based on the client. But there are some cultural differences. The big thing I've noticed is that I find people in Oman are very heart-centered. So uh, it's, it's a different experience coaching them. They're, they're, they're still focused on results, but it's results with the heart in balance. And, and I really like that. I, I think that's beautiful, actually. And has that changed how you 
are as a coach? I think you change how you are as a coach every day, every month, every hour. So it's, it's an interesting profession. It isn't the kind of profession where you go take a course and voila, you're a coach. That's it. It's a, it's a profession that continually evolves. You continually learn. You continually develop. It just never ends. That's the good news, bad news. <laughs> Depending which day it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe if we could just jump right back then. So how did you get into coaching in, in the very first place? Oh, that's an interesting story, I think, too. So I was a sales representative. Well, I was, a, what was I called? An account executive for General Electric. And I was, part of my territory was the southern states. And I was in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was flying back and I was reading Fortune 500 magazine, researching some of my clients. And there was an article in there by Thomas Leonard, who's the founder of the coaching industry. And for anybody who's a coach, that tells you how old I am. Like, I'm really old, and I've been coaching a long time. <laughs> so I read this article about coaching, and as soon as I read it, I knew exactly that was the next thing I wanted to do. There is no logic. There's no, there's no I, I researched it. I read the article and said, that's it. That's what I want to do. And I started uh, my education in uh, getting the skills for coaching. Mm. So it's, it sounds like it was a, nearly a... It, it resonated with you. It, it was calling in some ways. Yes, absolutely. It, it was instant. It was, now I, to say that it was instant, I had also been, um, I, you know, I had uh, been poking around in other fields for quite a number of years, but nothing sat quite, it was okay, but nothing was really in, enticing. But as soon as I read that article, I was like, yes, that's what I've been looking for. And, and once you did that initial training, was it a, an instant delivery of, yes, this is exactly, or did it take time then for you to find yourself as a coach? And I, I think I'm still finding myself as a coach. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, I, I know that sounds funny, but it just is that kind of profession. You just continually evolve. You're always finding yourself. And, and again, I'm going to repeat, that's the good news, bad news. I would say to people, if you want to choose coaching as a profession, be aware that you're going to have to continually look at yourself. You're going to have to continually disrupt your business. And, and what's helped you the most in that journey of, of looking at yourself and developing yourself and, and becoming the coach you need to be or want to be at that moment in time? Yeah, so I would say several things. Uh, one is curiosity. I'm a very curious person. And uh, it's, you know, it's fine to be curious of other people, but you also have to be curious about yourself. It's really important that you do that journey. Um, and then to make sure that you have some support in that journey. So I've always had a coach. I've had a coach since the early 90s. And um, I have a supervisor. I've had a supervisor since 2016. So it's, it's always making sure that you have, you have a support system in place because sometimes being self-aware is easy and sometimes being self-aware is not so comfortable. So it's really important that on that journey you have support and you, that you're curious and open. An expression around curiosity that I really like that, that a friend of mine developed was that curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought him back. <laughs> I like that. 
that's a very good way of looking at it. <laughs> um, and, and over that time you've been coaching, what have you noticed about how you've transformed or changed as a coach? What's different for you now? Hmm. I would say my compassion for people, for cultures, for situations, environments has really changed. Uh, it is, and that I understand how important connection is. Uh, it's, it's of ultimate importance that for people to feel that connection, to feel purpose, to feel belonging. It's, and that's different for everyone, but it's important that you, when people have that sense, it changes their worlds. Yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm curious about what's been the what's been the challenges for you during that journey. Hmm. Well, building a practice to start with was a challenge <laughs> because I had worked in the corporate world all my life, and I was I was a little I was very nervous about starting my own practice in the beginning because I had been a corporate person all my life. I didn't know that there was any other world besides the corporate world and I, I did very well in the corporate world so I you know I was very uh, I was very successful I had lots of money I had lots of options and now all of a sudden it's just me me myself and I <laughs> so that <laughs> so that was a bit of a challenge you know figuring out how to get support systems in place figuring out when's the time to outsource my accounting uh, figuring out what's the right balance in my business. When I started, I was also a professional speaker, so I had to balance the coaching and the speaking um, because I had a three sort of a three prong approach: coaching, coaching, speaking, and writing—all very different kinds of energies, different kinds of efforts required. Uh, so that was a bit of a challenge finding that balance, but it was a fabulous balance. So um, yeah, I think it's just I. I I think the biggest challenge is just believing in yourself. Yeah. And the timing of that leads quite nicely to, to a question around, as you were starting out, how, how were you measuring or judging yourself as being an effective or good coach? That's, really, that's a really a good question, actually, because when you... When you first start coaching, in the beginning years, it's really important that you add value. But it's about you adding value. Uh, <laughs> I must be the greatest. I must be a really good coach. I must bring great value to this person. I, 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 I. And as your journey evolves over time, it isn't so much about the value that you bring. It's more important that the client gets value. So the, you switch the focus from I'm a good coach and deliver value to the client got value from the session. And was there anything in particular that helped you make that switch? I think just, again, the continual evolution, the continual looking, the continual education, the continual connecting with other coaches and, and having proper support and places, places to reflect. It's really important in coaching that you reflect on your practice and that you reflect on yourself as a coach. The reflection piece is so, so important. At least from, I'll say it was for me, and I would really strongly recommend that for other coaches too. New coaches, coaches who've been midterm, coaches who've been coaching a very long time, everybody is in that same bubble, I would say. Yeah, and, and I suppose that, that 
that connects, I guess, with the importance of supervision. Yes, yes, it's very, it's, it's an interesting, it's fairly new in the coaching world. Um, it's an interesting question because sometimes we say coaching is a lonely profession because we connect with other coaches uh, from a business perspective, but you, your confidentiality is the, is the goddess of coaching. You know, you cannot share anything about your cases with another coach or with your friend, with anybody. It's absolutely an absolute no-no. So the beauty about supervision is your is your supervisor signs a confidentiality agreement also, and you can discuss your cases and you can reflect on well, you know, I wasn't very comfortable when I said this, and this is the kind of reaction I got, and you know, and you can explore what you might have done differently. You know, now hindsight's always better, right? <laughs> it's it's always wonderful, <laughs> but I but I believe that 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 develops you as a person, as a coach, and as a, as somebody serving a client, and allows you to, to come to your next session differently. So that's where that supervision piece, where you can sit and reflect on what you're doing, and you can share some of your cases, and, and you know what happened. Just for me, me that was. That's been just a hit another new level. Yeah, and and what led you to train to then become a, a supervisor yourself? Mm. Two two things. First of all, I've been a master coach for I've been coaching for many many years, and I've been a master coach for. And I was looking for my next. What's my next step? There must you know there has to be something after an MCC. So I was looking for my next stage of development and. Doing some search, and I was uh, I was at a ICF conference actually, and I met a lady named Janet Harvey, who's a coach in America, uh, or quite a, she, she was chair of the ICF board for years, and she's chair of the ICF foundation for a while. She's just a delightful, delightful lady, and uh, she was talking about supervision, and I was like, it, the, you know, the click went. Ah, what's that? Let me find out. And I was, as I spoke to Janet, she gave me a good overview of what it was. And I was like, okay, that's it. That's what I'm doing next. So I participated and then I took the training. Uh, it was really intense training, but it was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. And what's different about training to be a supervisor versus the training to be a coach? I think that the big difference is that as a supervisor, you're more um, you're more reflective with your with your coach. Or and but I don't I don't use supervision just for coaches. I also use supervision with leaders in business who are trying to coach their people or their teams. So it's it's getting people to be more reflective in. In in supervision, we say who you are is how you coach. So it's looking at. Who, who are you and what, you know, what drove that behavior for you? Specifically, looking deep inside and shining your practice that way. Mm. I, 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 I suppose with supervision, there's a wider set of interactions going on because it's not just about you and your client. It's yeah, we use the expression all the time in supervision is how many voices are in the room. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we use a model developed by uh, Peter Hawkins and Peter Hawkins and somebody Smith, sorry, I can't remember. And it's called the seven eyed model. So there's actually seven ways to look at your coaching practice. 
and we look at which eye are you looking through? Yours, your clients, the organizations, the relationship between you and your client, the relation, the, the relationships, the wider concept, what's happening, what's happening in that organization or in that country could be affecting what's happening with that that client or you. So we're always looking for different eyes, different perspectives, looking at it from a much wider perspective. Mm. And and as a supervisor looking through those seven eyes or trying to, I suppose, track what those seven eyes are, are seeing, I imagine that would be quite challenging. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And I mean, it's a really interesting question because one of the really interesting eyes that I think is, what's the relationship between you and the, and the coach or the leader in the room? And we don't often look at that in coaching. We don't look at the, what's happening in the relationship between the two. That has a huge impact also on, on how you practice your coaching. So, I mean, there's many fascinating eyes, but that's one of the ones that I find particularly intriguing. And having done the training to be a supervisor and now being a supervisor in your own right, has that changed how you yourself engage with supervision? Um, I did them both at the same time. So I started my training and my supervision at the same time. I don't know that I can separate them, but um, I do two kinds of supervision. I, I participate in two kinds of supervision. So I participate as an individual, but I also participate in group supervision, which is absolutely fascinating because then you get to see other people's eyes and how they're looking at things. That's really interesting. And I supervise individuals uh, coaches and leaders, and but I also supervise team coaches, which is really which is a really fascinating new area of coaching that's uh, taking on more and more prominence, I think, in the industry. And I suppose to to segue into that sort of team coaching piece, what's the challenges for somebody who's used to working one on one with clients? to then move into that team coaching space? Yeah, good question. <laughs> it's like day and night. So instead of having one person in front of you, now you have 12 people in front of you, or you know, how many people on the team? You know, so for example, often when I'm team coaching, I'll be working with the CEO, and they'll often be 10 of his team or her team in the room. So now we, that's quite complex. You know, the hierarchies, the authorities, the, it's always the interconnections, what's happening between, in team coaching, we're looking for the interconnections between all the members and between them and their organization and between them and their board and between them and their other stakeholders. So it's, 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 it's trying to, to make the really complex as simple as you can. And you do that, I don't know, you can try. But as long as you insights into all the you know the interconnections what happens what happens when person a says something what happens down the line it's really fascinating you know the evolution of team coaching is sort of gone from we started out team coaching we started get to know your team you got your buddies better right uh, this is your team and, and you know exercises to get to know them better and then it was kind of exercises to, the next evolution was kind of, okay, let's figure out how the team works inside the organization. So how does your team interact with other teams? And then the next evolution was, okay, now we've, so we went from individual 
to within the organization, then we can say, okay, what about your stakeholders? How did that, how did you interact with your stakeholders? So we kind of went another layer. And it's interesting now, I think we're going to look and saying, so how do all those layers connect? What happens through all those different layers and back and back and around? So I think that's a, it's an interesting, uh, it, it, especially in today's complex world, it's, that's constantly changing. So we, it's really important that we understand those connections and how they work. Mm. And, and I suppose I'm struck by even the, the definition, well, even the way a, a team is structured now is changing in, in terms of it's not about people being physically located that could be dispersed all over the place and connected by technology. Um, yes. Well, and even teams are not, teams used to be, I'm on this team. And this It was a solid thing. It's not true anymore. You might work on five different teams and have five different roles on those five different teams. Usually before it was like, oh, I work in the finance department and my team is the finance, right? Well, that's not true anymore because now finance has to interact with legal. Finance has to interact with strategy. Finance has to interact with sales, finance. Right, so you're on all these different teams. You might even you might even sit on a board of a smaller company. So you're always you're not on one team anymore. We can't work in silos. We can try, but companies tend to find that a very painful and difficult way to work. So it's that broad silos, and team coaching is one of the ways to understand that the broader pit context that you have to work in. And. I can only imagine the, you, the the amount of information you get coming one-on-one -on -one when you work with a client um, in terms of what you can notice and the, the language, the, the behaviors and energy and everything else. And I can only imagine how you, it must be very easy to get overloaded as a coach when you start multiplying that up to all these different relationships and interconnects and well, yes, but I think the important piece of that is to notice that something happened and then to get the team to notice, okay, what just happened there? Because we used to ignore that. But now I think as a team coach, it's your job to stop and say, wait a minute, what just happened? When uh, an example, a, a, a senior team I was working with, they um, marketed, they see, we were talking about how uh, disruption is common in our industries that we're seeing. You know, this was a, a large oil and gas company. So how could how could this business get disrupted? And one of the technical the technical VP said, "Well, that's not true in our industry. It'll never get disrupted. We don't see that." <laughs> and from his perspective, that was very true. But then the CEO stood up and said, "Well, what, what, what perhaps what you're not seeing is what we're seeing is many small um, businesses." gathering together in a conglomerate and, and being competitive with us in our markets. And so the, the only important thing for me about that was why doesn't the technical guy know that? That wasn't his fault. You guys aren't working as a team. What's happening? Why doesn't that's so stop and notice. He doesn't know that. Mm. What's happening there team. What's what, what needs to happen. Right? So it wasn't so much all the information you know, you know, it isn't about making right or wrong. It's like, wait a minute, stop, guys, because he doesn't know that. You, you should be worried if he doesn't know that. <laughs> He's running the technology of your company. He's giving you information, and he doesn't know that. Yeah. 
Uh, and I suppose the thought that just jumped into my head as well is the the difference between team development and team coaching. Mm-hmm. How how would you how would you define what you, what is the difference? Well, I would say team development is about teaching teaching people theories and and how they apply and getting people to understand theories. And I would say coaching is about a, the team learning what they're about what they're doing. You're not teaching them anything. It's up to them to learn. So, for example, the last example I just shared, if I was doing team development, that might be a lesson on communication. And you might go into developing a communication strategy and blah, 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 blah. But when you're coaching, it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what happened there? And, and did you notice it? And how can you notice it? And what are you going to do about it? And... In terms of your your own um, confidence or being comfortable working with the team as a team coach, how did you know, how how did that come around in terms of making the transition from working one on one to being feeling that actually team coaching is an area you you would be effective at if if that makes sense. Yes. Well, I think that I you know that my history is uh, from being a professional speaker speaking across Canada and the U.S. helped because I was used to groups. So I kind of did that, and then I went just into coaching. And then I started hearing about this team coaching and started doing some investigating and got curious about, oh, well, what is that? And how is that different than what I did before? And how do I incorporate? How do I, how do I marry those two together? So it, I, I use this term often that, you know, we're, we're always trying to bring things together, get the get the best out of both. Okay. So I think that's how, it, and then education, first thing, no matter what you're doing, get, you know, become knowledgeable about what it is. And then with practice, you become, you increase your expertise. But without knowledge, practice is really rather useless. <laughs> <laughs> and just knowledge is useless without practice. You have to, it, it's always an evolution. Yeah, and and it sounds that your evolution has, it's your curiosity has actually helped drive your own evolution in terms of finding out about coaching, finding about team coaching, supervision. So um, yeah, what 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 are you what are you curious about at the minute? Well, I'm curious about many things. <laughs> it's it's an interesting world in which we live now. So more and more, I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of volunteer work on global levels, and I'm doing more and more work and supervision on global levels. So I'm much more curious now about cultures and how different, how, how um, not complex, but if we're dealing with three or four cultures in a team, how does that impact the team? And how do we understand those cultures and how do we create an, a safe environment for all those people to operate? So the cultures, the global aspect of, Everything that we do, I'm finding that really, really intriguing in supervision, in coaching, in life, in, in everything. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, and I can imagine that's hugely relevant to the world that industry and business is operating in today. I think it's relevant to life. And I think it's relevant to everything. It's really, you know, I just came back from the ISEP Global Conference in Prague. 
70 different countries there. Wow. It, 70 countries. Like it's just that's so common today for us to interact with that many different cultures. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating uh, doing supervision through a translator. That's a whole new challenge. Wow. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, because you miss a lot of the nuances that if you understood the language that you would get. But it's interesting how, how you learn to pick up those nuances. Yeah, because I, I imagine it, it must be, it, on one level, there's the, yes, the, the filter effectively that the translator is putting on everything. But does it also then make you more tuned into how the other person's being and their energy and the way they're saying something because you, you do actually understand the words that are happening? I think it really, it really puts the focus on somatic coaching or paying attention to the body and what's going on. Um, you know, but just simple things. I'll share an example from quite a while ago. I was speaking, it was ICF's 20th anniversary, so they did an on-tour event, and I was speaking in, uh, in Russia and Spain. But I was in Russia, and we were, I was talking about uh, creating um, coaching cultures and organizations. And I was talking about competency number three, which is creating trust and imp- intimacy with the client. As soon as I said creating trust and imp- intimacy, they started to giggle, right? so funny about that and the translator actually stopped me and explained and said well we don't say that in Russian because <laughs> intimacy is about sexual intimacy not <laughs> personal intimacy it's a different <laughs> so, you know, get into trouble without without knowing you're getting into trouble now I was really lucky that translator you know stopped me and, and did the cultural translation also but it, all of these new is that you that you you could completely miss mm. and and I suppose that must be the challenge for not only coaches but for also the likes of the ICF in terms of keeping the competencies up to date and bringing in you know the the cultural aspects as well as um, keeping them relevant to today's world that we live in just language. Can you imagine if you're running a, an international company spaces all the time, just language? Not everyone speaks, reads, writes, and understands English, right? So how do you translate everything? Or what, which languages do you translate? And how many do you translate? <laughs> and, and I say it's different because it's a member organization. So you know, you have, it's not like a business organization where you could be a little more of a dictator, <laughs> Right, but still, for someone, say someone going from North America to Asia, you know, you're going to have those complexities of language. And a lot of the people that you're dealing with may not speak English, right? You have cultural, you have language implications, cultural implications. It's really fascinating. I mean, it's a, it's such an interesting world today. And so, for me, and I'm really curious about those things. I really, I find that fascinating and working with people in those areas and you know just getting grounded in it's just getting grounded in those things hmm. okay um and you mentioned the um the icf converge conference um what was the what was the key thing you left the conference with how what wonderful friends i have across the world who are coaches <laughs> from a personal perspective 
fascinating, you know, just just wonderful, wonderful people. It's it's such a privilege because I've worked regionally and globally. So know lots of coaches in different parts of the world, but sometimes you're only working with them virtually. And so it's nice to connect, you know, in person every once in a while. And, uh, and you know, there was 80 different sessions you could have taken. You can't possibly attend those in three days, right? So, so we go out every night for dinner and talk about the different sessions we attended. So it's like, you know, you more learning, more learning, more learning. There was lots of great things. There's so many great things there. It's hard to pick, but the connection I think with friends from across the world is really nice. And was there any particular area that you left the conference with that sort of was thought provoking that you, you've been stewing over, wondering about? So two, two, two areas actually. I decided to split my time between the science uh, stream and this discovered stream. So I'm, take, I'm also taking an online course called the Neuroscience of Change. So I attended two sessions on neuroscience and how the brain works that were uh, disruptive and disrupted my thinking about emotions and about biases. Both were absolutely fascinating. Um, and then the other stream was the discover stream. So uh, using playfulness and using literature, both very disruptive and thought provoking. It's like, how do we become more? It's a very serious business, right? You know, we're coaching and it's a very serious. Okay, let's be a little playful with it. What happens if you're playful? It was kind of fun to think of it that way. And, and I suppose that's, uh, as you mentioned earlier, that's, that's actually the nice thing about coaching is there is this continual development of what you can learn and new things you can try and uh, keep um, experimenting in a way, I guess. Yes. And, you know, there was lots of sessions on the disruption of the coaching industry. Yes, there's lots of sessions on the disruption in every industry. But, you know, disruption seems to kind of be a common theme in every in everything today, not just coaching. So it was kind of fun to, it was kind of interesting to look at disruption from a different perspective. Instead of just like, oh, the computers are going to take over the world and, you know, <laughs> to look at it from, there's a positive side to disruption. You know, we learn, you know, that, that the neuroscience, which is, a, which is a fairly new field of science, and and uh, the course I'm taking says, well, what's true and what isn't? What do I believe and what, what I don't? And what they say is, it's the, it's the best that we know today. Could change tomorrow. And that's disruption. So get, it's, it's more getting comfortable with that disruption. And what if disruption is fun? What if, what if it's exciting instead of, computers are going to rule the world, right? <laughs> We're going to become robots. It's, what if, look at it differently that whole disruption thing which puts which just instills so much fear in people um i suppose I'm, I'm i'm curious then in terms of advice and i i know coaching isn't about advice but um setting that setting that aside to one one minute for for coaches that are, are starting out on their journey what's the one piece of advice you wish somebody had given you when you were starting out? Have fun. Just enjoy the journey. It's a journey, 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 journey. Enjoy it, enjoy it. Just relish every moment of it. Mm. 
that, as you mentioned, sort of the, the, the ups and downsides of coaching is the fact that it is a huge field and that there are a world of courses out there and we could spend all our time doing nothing but training. Um, <laughs> what's... Um, Sorry, we, we, we always make this joke, eh? we're learning junkies. <laughs> yes, absolutely, learning, learning junkies. Addiction. <laughs> <laughs> A good addition. So, <laughs> so um, aside from the the courses that you're you're doing at the minute, what's what what have you got your eye on for the future yourself? Um, I'm I'm playing with writing a movie script. Ah. Because I write blogs and I write serious books, and you know this playful theme and this disrupting myself. Uh, it's it's uh, yeah it's it's quite fun it's quite interesting and it takes a different it's like a it's like it's like turning a corner you know oh I mean I get to make this up yay <laughs> excellent let's go <laughs> very different than what I do professionally right I get to just make up worlds oh it's so much fun <laughs> yeah and and and. Uh... Have, have have you have you given any thought to your the title of your movie yet or uh... so I, I i tried to write a script a couple of years ago uh took a course tried to write a script it failed dismally like just failed with it it's fine <laughs> um and then just didn't do anything for quite a while and then actually a friend of mine another coach here in oman had this idea about this movie and i thought this is a great idea so she doesn't have any script writing so I took another course in script writing, of course, because <laughs> you got to take another course. <laughs> and we've started developing it together, which is really nice to do it collaboratively. Right? Um, so we don't have a title yet. We're still flushing out the characters, and it's, but it's really, really fun. Yeah. And I don't know if it'll become a movie or not, but the whole process of just writing it and doing it collaboratively is really, really interesting. And it's just such a different space than I normally do. I, I, I can imagine it, it's nearly, it sounds like it could nearly be an outlet as well for, for fun and experimenting and... Yeah. And it's a good story. The, the problem with the first movie I tried to write is that it was a nice story, but didn't, there, was no, there was no meat to it. It was just a nice story. It was a great story, but nothing happened really. Like nothing, there was no, you know, the hero's journey. There was no hero, there was no conflict. It was just a nice story. Okay, good. But in this one, we got live. That's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, I suppose as I'm just conscious of, of time, um, and maybe just a question to finish on about the future in terms of where where's... Where do you see your journey going into the future or coaching going in the future? That's a very good question. And, and again, I have no idea. I got to tell you, this is my favorite saying these days is I don't know. <laughs> and I really, I don't know. But I think the important part of our journey is, is to trust, um, is to follow those, those instincts, follow those nudges, follow those callings. And then see where it goes. 
it's, it's not about having to know. It's not like, okay, I'm going to finish university. At my stage in life, it's, I've done all those things. You know, life is good. But now let me see how I can expand. Let me see, let me see what else there is. You know, it's like when I left the corporate world, I didn't know about this, this other world of being your own, you're owning your own business. Now I'm sort of back in the corporate world almost. But what's next? What's that other, what's the next space? What is it? I don't know what it is. But I'm kind of curious what it might be. It might be coaching, it might be supervision, it might be writing. Who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? I, I just know it'll be interesting. So Benita, it's been fabulous to talk to you and thank you so much for sharing your 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 journey and and your your wisdom and I wish you every every luck in the future and especially with the script. I, I look forward to seeing that movie in, in the, the the coming months and years. We'll see. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity to uh, to share some of my journey. I love to do that. So thank you for that. And uh, have a fabulous, interesting, curious life, curious coach. My thanks again to Benita for taking the time out of her weekend to talk with me. I found it really insightful and inspiring, and I hope you did too. You'll find full show notes and the transcript on my website at stephenclements.ie forward slash podcast. And that's Stephen with a PH. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts or feedback, so please get in touch via email to stephen at stephenclements.ie. Thanks for listening. And until next time, don't forget, stay curious.